Hey everyone, welcome to episode 33 of A Good Drop Podcast. Today we're talking about the most sold beer worldwide. Worldwide, yes, the most popular beer in the world. In the world. Lager. Lager. Because we have mentioned lager, of course, in our very first episode. Mm. And uh, we will be referencing that episode quite a bit because I am Michael. And I'm Stu. And this is A Good Drop. Cheers. once again talking about beer you've listened to the first episode <laughs> you can uh, fully appreciate the specialization that we're about to get into here about lager which for a beer that's not that old has a lot of story behind it mm. and i'm sure you can appreciate that how much we've evolved over the last 30 episodes Oh, yes. Because, uh, yeah, as, as we said, lager is uh, the world's most popular style of beer. It's uh, actually nine out of the ten most popular beers in the world are lagers. The only one that's not is Guinness. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. And it's not even the nicest tasting beer worldwide. No. The, the, uh, the style of lager is uh, characterized by a clean taste and high levels of carbonation, mm. and that there are a wide variety of types within the lager style, ranging from light to dark and sweet to bitter, and uh, the most popular of that is the pale lagers or pilsners. Yeah, lagers are the best selling in the world because they have such a wide variety of flavors that you can basically find something that fits your taste buds. Yeah, and of course, what makes up a lager is how it's actually produced. Because the uh, the word lager comes from the German lagen, meaning to store. And that came about because of the way that things produced in the lager style were traditionally lagered or stored. Mm. It all started in 15th century Europe, where coloni- colonists travelled to the Americas to trade and, you know, pick up slaves and all that jazz. With them, they brought uh, disease, religion, slavery, alcohol, and colonialism to the New World. And in return, they got treasure, corn, tobacco, cocaine, and potatoes. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yes, cocaine. (laughs) And potatoes. And potatoes. But along with the... Along with those things that they brought back from the Americas, they brought back a hitchhiker, a stowaway, in the form of a local yeast that is called... I wrote this down and I practiced this. (laughs) It's called Saccharomyces eubianus. My Latin's not the greatest. Saccharomyces eubianus. Yeah, it's native to the Patagonian region of Argentina. And the best part about it is that it somehow merged with the local yeast in Europe that they were currently using to brew ales called uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. And they discovered that this child of of these two yeasts fared better in cold weather. Yeah, and uh, so by the early 19th century, the Bavarian breweries began... uh experimenting with brewing techniques that involved storing their beers in cold beer cellars for prolonged periods of time. And uh, they used this particular yeast, which is a bottom fermenting yeast that rests on the bottom of the fermentation tanks or barrels. And uh, after initial fermentation, they would then give the 
be is a second lagering period at low temperature, usually in caves up in the mountains. And um, they'd be there from anywhere for a few weeks to several months. And uh, that process uh, allowed the drink to mellow and clear. And uh, in fact, in the early days of lagering, some brewers would take their beer into the Bavarian Alps, into caves, and pack those caves closed with ice, and leave them there for the entirety of the summer months. And that long brewing meant that the yeast and heavy matter in the beer settled, and left a drink with fewer impurities, high levels of carbon dioxide, and a clean, crisp taste quite similar to what we taste now. Mm. With the exception that the early Bavarian lager beers, as they were called, were much darker than the pale lagers of today due in part to the heavy water of the region. As the skills and knowledge of this new strain of yeast evolved, they uh, started digging holes, digging beer cellars in the ground to store the beer during the summer months. And they'd pack these cellars with ice as well. And for an extra added bonus, they uh, planted chestnut trees over top of these cellars to give an extra layer of covering over the over the cellars to slow down the heating process. And it didn't take long, but the brewers started selling their beer straight from the cellar as a early version of the beer garden. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Like, who'd have thought that's where the beer garden came from? Yeah, a literal garden grown on top of beer. Yeah, not... Not quite how I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, oh, it's just an extension of a tavern or something like that. Yeah. But no, it's a, an actual paddock or a actual garden outdoors away from any buildings mm. with maybe a couple of marquees and a big chestnut tree. <laughs> and a big hole dug under it to get to the beer. <laughs> That's half packed with ice. That's half packed with ice, yeah. Yeah, so with that uh, continued experimentation throughout Europe, they kept working on different types of ale, and by 1840, the Austrians um, developed the amber-red Viennese beer uh, by using lighter malts than the Bavarians had used. And uh, in 1842, the Bavarian brewer Joseph Grohl travelled to the town of Pulzer in Bohemia to test a new lager recipe. And uh, by absolute coincidence of the uh, region's soft water and its low-protein local barley, he accidentally produced the first golden beer that came to be known as Pilsner. That's so cool. They, they, they just went to different places and just because the ingredients are that little bit different, out came a whole new version of beer. Yeah, out, out came... Purely by accident, something that is now insanely popular. Mm. And as people went from town to town spreading the news about lager and the methods and how to drink this new beer, people were starting up their own versions of the of lager. Like they they were all making their own versions. Like Germany's has made their own versions. I'm sure there's a French version of, of lager. There's absolutely an English version. Oh, there's yeah a lot of different varieties. We can split them into two types, the pale and the dark. And uh, the pale are the Helles, uh, a pale golden beer with a malty taste. Uh, Pilsner, of course, which is a golden light beer with a slightly syrupy taste. The Marzen, a deep amber beer originally brewed in March and also known as Oktoberfest. And uh, you've also got the Bock, a strong heavy lager with a rich 
toasty taste that uh, kind of pushes the barrier between light and dark with a uh, medium to dark color. It's it kind of sits in the middle and uh, in the dark lagers we do hit the double bock which is a stronger darker version of bock with rich multi flavors and almost no detectable hops flavor at all wow that sounds pretty good to me yeah and uh, then we've got the dunkel which is a dark lager from munich and its name literally translates as dark <laughs> and it's characterized by a smooth multi flavor and uh, Schwarzenbier, which is a dark lager, almost black in color. I was recommended that. Mm. A guy I work with, he works at a brewery, and he said, try and get a Schwarzenbier. I didn't manage to find one in my quick browse of our favorite liquor store, but I was a little bit pressed for time today. Mm. So apparently it's got uh, hints of chocolate or coffee flavors mm. and is similar in appearance to stout beer because it is also made with roasted malt. Yeah, I think we're going to have to get some at some point. Yeah. Then, of course, the uh, I did miss one of the light beers that we did mention it earlier, and that was the Vienna Lager. No, you said the Vienna Lager. Yeah, yeah, but I missed it when I was la- naming them off in the list. I had mentioned it earlier. Oh. But not that it was a light lager. Right. Though it is. It's a light amber in colour, rather than being dark. I thought it was a, a reddish colour. It's, it's, it's reddish, but I wouldn't call it a dark beer by any stretch of the imagination. Fair point. All right, so if we continue through our uh, traips through history then. Uh, so the uh, town of Pleasant, they, they began producing Pilsners on a large scale. And... Uh, that caused uh, more sellers to pop up, as we mentioned, and soon other countries were producing Pilsner and other lagers, as we also mentioned, but mm. then, once it was a huge success throughout all of Europe, some Germans decided in the 1850s to take their techniques and Bavarian hops to the USA. And, Finally. <laughs> yeah. And over there, of course, they began producing all sorts of things like the, for some reason, insanely popular Bud Light and Budweiser. And uh, then in 1990. 93. I know this is a big jump from the 1850s, but... It hasn't changed a, a lot since then, really, hmm. though. And Until 93, when the Miller Brewing Company pushed light lager to its absolute zenith by producing clear beer. A lager with the same colorless appearance as Sprite or 7-Up. What? Yep. Clear. Clear. Completely clear. How did I not know about this? This is... What's it called? Clear beer. Clear beer. I'm going to have to get a bottle or two, just for the novelty of it. And what on earth does it taste like? Yeah. And it's it's from Miller, so it's it's American. It, it, it's got to be okay, though. It's got to taste at least okay. Well, hopefully it tastes like beer. That, that would be a good <laughs> start. Because <laughs> if you paid beer prices and then it tasted like a 7-Up, you'd be, damn you, Miller. Damn you. Mm. Well, you can buy cider that tastes like soft drink, and you can't taste the alcohol at all in it. Mm, that's risky business right there. It is, but it's insanely popular now because that's the way people's taste buds are going. And in Australia, cider and beer gets around the alcopop tax. Mm, that's true. So they are increasing in popularity here. Mm. So let's quickly talk about our uh, what we're currently drinking, Yeah, our good drop. We are drinking Heineken Lager. It is... In the top 10 best-selling lagers worldwide. Well, top 10 best-selling beers worldwide. Yeah. As well. Because the, the number one best-selling beer worldwide worldwide is a lager. It's, it's a Chinese it's beer. It's a Chinese beer called Snow. Mm. 
And of course, it's best selling because it's the best selling in China, and they have a ludicrous number of people there. Something like two billion. Some some huge number. It's probably not two billion. I might be exaggerating when I previously said that, but and that there, there's yeah. a lot of people there. There's a lot of people and in China because. A lot of people will drink the local beer because probably because it's cheap. They are pu- artificially pushing up the worldwide consumption, even though it's virtually unknown anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. So there's 1.379 billion people in 2016. There were 1.379 billion in China. That's a lot of people. That's just a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah, all all by themselves, they can make something the best-selling product in the world. Yeah. So Heineken uh, is a Dutch brewing company. Founded in 1864 by Gerard Adrian Heineken. How original. He named it after himself. Hmm. Uh, He founded it in Amsterdam. And as of 2017, uh, they own, or Heineken owns, more than 165 breweries in over 70 countries. And they also own a lot of different beer makers. You wouldn't believe how much. They produce 250 different beers internationally including local specialties beers and ciders huge it's a huge company enormous company and they are they are now the second biggest company in the world uh below give me a sec to pronounce this and he's a bush inbev and they're huge course yeah that well they were the first and second biggest companies in front of heineken up until 2016 and then they merged now they're the single biggest company worldwide yeah because of course when you're the first and second biggest and you say let's be the biggest together and you hold hands and go singing into the uh singing into the abyss (laughs) well off into the bright money-filled future yeah hand in hand with your brand new filthy stinking rich partner Alcohol earns a lot of money worldwide. Yeah, well, and they just casually buy out smaller companies left, right, and center. Well, that's how Heineken became the third biggest company, because in the in the beginning, when they were starting to get a little bit big, they just bought out local breweries and then closed them down. They bought the local competition and closed them down so they would be the only beer brewers in the region. That's That's a very dirty sort of thing to do. It is, but... It worked for them. Yeah, and I guess if you know they had to actually, the local brewers had to agree to sell. So. Yeah. Well, when someone's saying, hey, when someone's a big company and they're saying, hey, we want to buy your brewery, you are, sorry, it's going to be, you go, you're going to sell us your brewery. Yeah. It's, it's There's less agreeing to it and more getting forced into it because you know that if you don't sell it to them, they're going to run you out of business. So they are from Amsterdam. So, you know, from Amsterdam, maybe they took them out to a nice bar or something and sat down, talked it out over a number of uh, specialty treats that the bar <laughs> had on sale, and they just happily signed it over. Maybe. But that's how they came to power. And now they own a ludicrous, as you said, a ludicrous amount of different brands, or as we know of as brands. For example, Bintang. If you if you've been to Bali, you'll know of Bintang. It's a pilsner, Kirin beer, Kirin, which is quite popular in Japan and uh, becoming quite a popular import in Australia as well, I believe. Mm. Kirin is getting quite popular. They own uh, Bulmers, which is a well-known English cider brand. Yeah, well, and Bulmers is huge as well. Like Bulmers owns other smaller companies, I think. You thought 
It's Heineken that are in smaller companies. Because yeah. <laughs> we mentioned Bond was in our cider episode. We did. So if you haven't listened to our cider episode, just pause this episode, <laughs> go back and listen to that one now. We'll, we'll wait, but forgive us for being newbies way back then. I have definitely improved since then, I hope. I, I know for sure we've improved since then. So welcome back from listening to our cider episode. <laughs> we'll continue yeah. talking about the massive multinational conglomerate that is Heineken. Yeah. There's a massive list on Wikipedia. Go and check it out. if you And you might see many, many other brands that you recognize, but most of them are still Heineken. Yeah, and uh, so now that you've listened to our beer episode and our cider episode, we can refer back to our beer episode and say that today's top drop is the same as the top drop from that episode. It is, because we haven't found a nicer lager yet. Yeah, because Grolsch is just... Fantastic. It's mm. it's a bit on the X-y side, at average of around $20 for a four-pack. They're a slightly larger bottle than your standard 330 mil. Yeah, they're 500 mils, I believe. Yeah, but they're, they're worth it, mm. I, I would say. like Treat yourself from time to time to uh, do some Grolsch, because they're very pleasant. Yeah, well, that's the whole idea behind our top drop. It's yeah. something that's expensive, but worth it. Obviously, we don't expect you to go out and buy our top drop all the time. But if you decide, oh, you're going to treat yourself, get it. Yeah. And uh, the bottles are entirely reusable from Grolsch as well. They've got yeah. those uh, resealable lids on them. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call those Yeah, lids. I, like, I don't know uh, how you'd describe it either. Cl- they're clipped. The lids are clipped on instead of... Uh, uh, bottle caps. Yeah, so you kind of you clip it open and then you can clip it shut again. I don't. They're they're really they're really good though. So I don't imagine you'd be closing them up anytime soon. Mm. So it, it does let you keep the freshness in. If for some reason you get caught in a long conversation, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, you know, or rather than um, having to put your hand over it when a sad song comes on, you can just clip it shut again. Because supposedly there is, and I heard this quite some time ago, a superstition that when a sad song comes on. You must cover your open beer. Really? Yeah, I, I don't remember why, but it was a thing that people did for a while. Is it like the same thing where uh, some people I know drop their pants when the Eagle Rock comes on? A, a similar thing, perhaps. <laughs> just just one of those random traditions that came out of something. Though there, there's no superstition involved in the Eagle Rock thing. <laughs> but there, there was a superstition in, involved in the sad song cover your beer thing, but I don't remember what it is. Possibly that the manliness seeps out of the beer? I really don't know. <laughs> don't it it would have been something that stupid, I'm sure. Probably. I mean, it is beer and bro culture we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. The most well-known lager in Australia is Forex. Well, in Queensland is Forex. Mm, It's Forex, yes. And of course, I think it's uh, VB Mm. in Victoria. Or even Melbourne Bitters. Yeah. Uh, I don't recommend either of those. Any of those. They, I mean, Forex Summer is probably the nicest, but that... The biggest reason of that is probably it comes in a glass bottle. Go the price. I mean, if mm. if you want to buy a whole pile of cans really cheap, go Forex. for go go nuts. Forex, Forex for or gold. VB. Yeah, go for gold. <laughs> Absolutely. But but if uh, yeah, if you want to have a beer that you're going to, and some people do enjoy Forex, I admit. Like and you know if if forex is your thing and you enjoy it by all means drink forex yeah if but, it appeals to your taste buds yeah that's great 
you found a really cheap beer to satisfy you. But if that's just all you've known, broaden your horizons. Mm. Try... Heineken. S- Heineken, yeah. Try Heineken. Try Grolsch. Or try our Odd Drop for today. Yes. and we, Yeah, because yeah, you, you should oh try Vagina. Oh. And that that is our Odd Drop for today. Our, our Odd Drop is Vagina Premium Lager. <laughs> Which, um, oh. it's from uh, Greece. It's from a, originally from a city called v- Vagina. From v- a city called Vagina, yeah. And I, I believe that um, they're still in Vagina. <laughs> and, and, so uh, bad. And yeah, it, it's clearly before they named their beer, they didn't consult with a native English speaker. No. Because it's a. Yeah, it's um, a lost in translation yeah, thing. Yeah, a lost in translation thing, without a doubt. Much like Four Fox Sake. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to our Sake episode... <laughs> this is the reference episode. Listen to it now. And um, yeah, so the the Vagina Premium Lager is an authentic premium lager that's actually brewed according to the strictest specifications for European lagers. The Reinheitsgebot or German beer purity law. And uh, they also follow the classic fermentation method at 9 degrees Celsius. Now, uh, Stuart, what is the Reinheitsgebot? Well, it's a old Bavarian law, or originally a Bavarian law, where they they basically set down, they, they set down the law to say you cannot make lager unless it is made with hops, barley, and water. But in 1516, when this law was put down, they didn't know what yeast was. So it's amazing we even ended up with with lager from Bavaria. But it it was updated, though. Yeah, it's been updated since then. But originally, it was there to set the price of beer so people weren't going to get ripped off. Uh, It was to make sure that people weren't getting terrible quality beer. Uh, It's very, very similar to the other alcohol laws that are in effect today regarding uh, things like champagne or anisettes. And so regarding the quantity of ingredients and the quality of them and that sort of thing. If you remember to our vermouth episode, uh, vermouth has to be... I think it was 70% alcohol, or sorry, wine by volume, or at least 70% wine by volume. This law was set down to be the same thing. It was just the the original version of it was a little rough around the edges. Yeah, which makes sense considering when it was made. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the, uh, the ingredients in vagina are... Uh, <laughs> Blonde malt, hops, yeast, and water. I mean, there's always yeast in vagina. That's that's a given. Apparently, <laughs> you're, it's you're milking this for light, worth, smooth, <laughs> and refreshing in flavour. Now, uh, we actually weren't able to locate the vagina premium lager in brick and mortar bottle shops in Australia. We looked, albeit May- briefly, but we did. Maybe it's because of the name. It, it it could it could well be, but um, we did look online and find vagina there. So. <laughs> You can, you can get vagina online. <laughs> the, pretty much the whole range of vagina beers can be found online. I saw an article ages ago. Someone actually made a beer from the yeast out of a lady's vagina. Right, how'd that turn out? I think it turned out all right. I think it was like a one-off thing just to see if it could be done. See if you could, yeah. Yeah, yeah just a little bit of trivia for you. Right, yeah, I suppose we, we were talking about... Vagina. Vagina, yeah. Mm. So we were talking about the the place from Greece, and... and this is an actual vagina that they used yeah. yeast from. Yes, not 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 a city <laughs> at, at all. And uh, we did want to give an honourable mention 
to a an imperial pilsner that, um, as far as we can tell, no longer exists, but we loved the name of it, mm. and the, that was... Uh, the Golden Shower Lager. Yep, Golden Shower Imperial Pilsner, <laughs> which was made by Doghead Fish Brewing Company. And uh, yeah, b- because they're a small batch brewing company, they don't make that one anymore. And now they've changed, and they don't make lagers anymore. They're making a lot of ales now. That sort of makes sense because ales are very in at the moment, especially in, in the craft section. Yeah, in the craft section, absolutely. And yeah, as a craft brewer, they would be wanting to make what's popular in craft beers. Absolutely. I believe it's IPA is like the thing at the moment. Yeah, and that is a huge part of what they're producing now is, is IPAs. Yeah. And that, they've got equally funny names on them, but uh, <laughs> you know, not, not as good as Golden Shower. They're all great. So that... That pretty much wraps us up. All we need to do now is to rate how many bottle caps this Heineken is. Yeah, so if I remember correctly, I think I rated the Grosch quite highly, and I can't rate the Heineken as highly as that. Well, I'd, I'd rate the Heineken about 8, because it's got a... Most lagers seem to have a distinct smell and taste to it. Uh, when I when I cracked this bottle, it had a familiar, almost bacony, yeasty smell to it. And it reminded me of fun times and good parties. Yeah, it's when they have the right smell to immediately remind you of a pub. Like when you go, yeah. that's what a pub smells like. That is exactly what a pub yeah. smells like. Uh, yeah, I'd give it an eight because it it tastes nice. It's a little fizzy, which for me, which means it loses a couple of points. But taste wise, it's pretty good. Um, you should drink it ice cold, which is how we started drinking it, uh, but it's obviously warmed up a little bit over the last half hour. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's consistent. Uh, it's a little on the expensive side. It's $20 for six, but it's good. And uh, if you keep your eye out, they are on sale sometimes. Yeah. And I did pick up a decent four-pack of not uh, not Heineken, but Sol, which is also a lager, quite recently for $40. So if... You know, you keep an eye out. You can't always get a reasonably priced carton. Mm. And Heineken being one of the top 10 most popular beers, you're going to be able to get it just about everywhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere where you can't get it, really. Mm. So that that's why it gets an 8 from me. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I'd, I'd give it around that as well. I might give it a 7.5. Because, you know, i got I got to leave that room for movement <laughs> in case there's something I like better than Heineken, but not as much as Grosch. Grosch is really good. It's classic German beer. I would, I highly Dutch. Re- Dutch. It's Dutch. My mistake. Mm. It's it's a German sounding name, so it is. It is a very German so sounding name. One could be forgiven for assuming it's German. Yes. So, uh, however, yes, it is Dutch. Yes. Now, speaking of things that aren't German, <laughs> in our next episode, we'll be talking about bourbon. So, bourbon. <laughs> that is the least Dutch you can get, and least German. <laughs> Yes, we'll be talking about bourbon whiskey, the American style of whiskey that is made from corn. Yeah, so uh, do be sure to, uh, between now and then, tell your friends about us. Yeah, spread the love, share the news. If you like Heineken, uh, let us know at agooddrop at gmail.com. Send us a Facebook message or click the like button, uh, Good Drop Podcast on Facebook. Yeah, and of course you can find us by searching for a good drop on iTunes and we are at a good drop.com.au. 
that's it. That's all the plugs. So no, I'm more on Podbean. Let's not forget oh, that we're on Podbean. Podbean. iTunes and your favorite RSS downloader, your favorite podcast app. Uh, yep. Tell your friends. Listen in. Get your bourbon ready for the next episode to drink along with a good drop. Yeah. Tell us what your favorite bourbon is, and maybe we'll feature it. Yeah. So until next time. Cheers. cheers.